I was told that I need to stand on this podium. No. Why not? I'm taller now. Well, thank you all for having me come and speak to you tonight. And the thing I want to make sure I do is not interrupt what the Spirit is already doing. And just what a sweet time of worship. I love the prayer. I love the rule of life. Um, my wife, Jana, is here tonight as well. And, and um, that concept, the pause, the rhythms of life is so important. And the, the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines has proven such a, a powerful concept in our lives. So when Sydney uh, approached me about speaking to you tonight, my understanding was that it was primarily around the concept of of Jesus in our vocation or Jesus within the workplace. And so with that said, that's kind of what I thought I would do is, is, is for people, you know, your age, gosh, it's hard to believe that I'm now my age and you're your age. And, and, and even being an elder, it just means you're older to some degree. So part of that is hard to, hard to wrestle with. But, um, you know, as we were singing, I was reflecting on when my wife, Jan and I were your age and what, a unique impact that, that the friends that we had had on us in our spiritual growth and continue to have on us in our spiritual growth. So press in to these relationships because you're at a unique time in your life and, and it is just a wonderful opportunity to go deeper and start doing life with people. So with that said, and the idea of Jesus in our vocations, I thought, well, how can I introduce myself uh, to you? So as, as it relates to vocation, I, I'm a lawyer, so that's, that's what I do. And, and then in that, but I, over the course of my life, I've had a number of other things that I've done as well, everything from, you know, being roofing and, you know, leveling houses to, to shoveling stuff, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, all of those things have gone into the fact that it, it helps explain what I'm going to be presenting to you today on concepts that I believe are true and biblical as, as God wants us to be co-laborers with him as, as we work with God to redeem creation, right? To be about that. So with that said, I'm going to take my glasses off because then I can see better. Up. I thought, you know, one of the things that I wanted us to look at, though, is, is first, it's so important to look at how do we see work, Right? We all work. We work at something. And so how do we perceive that? And, and when I was growing up, I, I did have a desire to, to follow the Lord and what I did for work. And, and the paradigm in which that I had that at that time in my life was that if you were going to follow God in your work, it means you had to go into the vocational ministry. You know, you had to become a pastor or something of that nature. And I really wrestled with that all through college. I can't tell you how much energy I expended on, Lord, do you want me to go and to be a pastor or what do you want to do? And, and so it's only come from that that I, I now have recognized that, that what we really need to own as, as we are people in our vocations is that everything we do, when we do it unto the Lord, is sacred. There is no secular versus sacred. In other words, I'm a lawyer. I must be in this, I'm out in the secular world. no. There is truth to somebody that they could practice law that way. But no, I am a believer in Christ. Therefore, I do that unto Christ. Therefore, what I do is sacred, right? So if you're a teacher, if, you're, if you work at Starbucks, if you work in the hospital, whatever you do, what did I just do? 
Anyway, whatever you do, it is sacred because you do it unto the Lord. And, and so if we're going to talk anything about Jesus in the workplace or Jesus in our, in, our, in our vocation, we have to have the right paradigm. And it's interesting that he was reading from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, I, uh, and I know Adrian from Tuesday noon Bible study, but we just finished the book of Colossians. It's just one of my favorite books. And Colossians chapter 3 is so powerful. And, and if you read Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, it says, whatever you do, Paul the writer there says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And if you look at that, he's just gone through a laundry list about husbands and fathers and bondservants and, 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 and wives and all these things. And then he just says, hey, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And so we can take that and pull it into what we do for a living or what we do to put food on the table and recognize that it's, it's sacred when we do it unto the Lord. I, I remember one time, uh, listening, I'm a big podcast junkie, and I, I remember I was listening to a pastor, and he used this illustration about how somebody was saying, we need to take Jesus to the, to the remotest parts of the world. We need to take Jesus, in, for purposes of this, into the workplace. Like we put him in a backpack, and we're going to take Jesus somewhere. Where, you know, Jesus breathed you know, creation into existence. He's wherever he is and wants to be. And so we don't take him into the workplace. He's already there. He invites us into the workplace. He invites us into our vocation so that we co-labor with him to touch people's lives and redeem creation. You follow me on that? Okay. Can we just, I'm sorry, I'm going to just not worry about being real smooth tonight. Can I just do that? Because, you know, that's the temptation whenever you're speaking in front of people. Oh, you want them to think, oh, that guy was smooth. He really brought it. This, I feel like this is a safe place. And so I just want us to be able to visit about this because honestly, this is so important to me because I will tell you, in my workplace, that is still to this day where God still is a crucible. He's still refining me. He's working out those, those parts of me that I still have to, this week, have struggled with my humanity. And so to find Christ in what I do is hugely important. It's hugely a word. It sounds like it ought to be a word. It's very important. It's not. <laughs> okay, cut that. Anyway, it's very important. A lawyer ought to know that. Um, so Christ is already in the workplace. I love Second Chronicles. Uh, it talks about, for the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, looking for those who are devoted to him. He's like, man, I'm just looking. I'm looking to see who's, who's out in the workplace. I'm looking to see who's, I, whose people are devoted for me so that I can work with them, so that I can bless them. So people whose hearts are fully committed to him. So will you, uh, you know, first of all, be thankful for your work. I think we downplay the value of work. I will tell you, back before there was ZipRecruiter or anything like that, I was not a highly recruited lawyer. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. My wife was highly recruited, you know, for a high-tech company. So fortunately, when we were married, we at least had, you know, something to put the food on the table. But I had to go, you know, with resume in hand up and down. We lived in Dallas at the time, these, the skyscrapers looking for work. And man, something within me kind of changed in that. And I was like, man, the value of work is not, was not lost on me. And so when we came to Temple almost 30 years ago, goodness gracious, 30 years ago, the, the, my boss at the time, I picked him up every morning at five o'clock. Every morning for three years, picked him up at five o'clock. And I was happy to do it because I got a job and I thought, I want to make him proud of me. I want him to feel like he, that was a good decision for them. And so I would ask the same of you, do you, are you thankful for the work that you do have? You know, do you view your job as a burden or a privilege? And do you see your work as important to God? 
Do you see your job as a calling? And not necessarily, I, I should probably rework. Do you see vocation as a calling? That work, being useful by God in what you do, wherever that is, is useful to God. And so we have to have the right paradigm of work. So, we, you know, I always think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that it's become so familiar, but it's so profound. God loves people, right? Where do we interact with people? Work. Very often, that's where I interact with them. You know, work, home, church. But with the exception of, you know, Wednesday night when you're here or Sundays at church, man, when we are interacting with God's humanity, God's good creation, it is at work. And so how do you treat, and when I say you, I mean we. How do we treat the people we work with, and the people we work for? Do we marginalize them? Do we treat them, or do we treat them with dignity and value? Do you see them the way God sees them? One of my favorite uh, writings by C.S. Lewis is actually an article he wrote called The Weight of Glory. I would recommend it to you. You can find it on the internet. But he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. I mean, whoever you work with, whoever you work for, they are precious in the sight of God. And whether they're in a good place or not a good place, they are important to God and therefore they should be important to you. Because very often, and I wrestle with this, there's a disconnect between what we profess, we believe, and how we behave. And that's the challenge that we face so often at work is, is to, to bring those things together so that what we profess is in accordance with what, how we behave. So got to ask yourself this, are the people you encounter at work being drawn to God because of you? You know, Romans 2, 4 says, do you presume on the riches or the kindness of God and his forbearance, not knowing that the kindness of God is what leads people to repentance? I love that verse. The kindness of God is what leads people to repentance. Do they see kindness in you as a demonstration of God's kindness? That should challenge us course, it's all over this church. Love God, love people. So important. And in order for us to work with God, we first have to make space for him in our work. We have to invite God into our work. Well, how do we do that? I think one of the ways that we clearly do that is having the right paradigm, but it's also just incorporating prayer into our work life. You know, and what I do, I've, I've come across and still do come across people, and we'll get into some maybe some more details of, of the how of engaging uh, with people in the workplace. But I will tell you, um, there was a, a client I had years ago. I was just starting off, very difficult person, um, very, very toxic in the way that he was. But, you know, I was a young lawyer, so I, you know, did what I was told, and, and I was working with him on a matter. And, you know, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit just told me, if the Lord, man, just pray. Just pray. His name's Jeff. He would, he would not mind if I was sharing this with you. And so I was like, man, Lord, if you could get a hold of Jeff, man, what great things because of his personality, he would just be all in. And you know what? That's what happened. The Lord got a hold of him. And I'll, t- I'll share more in a minute about maybe some of the other things that helped me play whatever role that was, but, but just pray for people. You can't overemphasize the value of prayer. So do you give God space to work in your job? even under harsh and toxic conditions, if those persist, be intentional about creating a space for God to work with you in your workplace. Um, 
again, another area where God has convicted me is when sometimes you're working with people or you have people that are just not in a good place. They're toxic. They're dysfunctional even. And so there's very much a part of our humanity. And sometimes I'm not saying it's not the right thing to do to withdraw. But sometimes what God has told me is, no, you got to press in. You're going to be salt and light. You don't do that in reverse. You've got to go be salt and light. And sometimes, man, that is with people that are difficult. And so recognize that, that it starts. And it can be so helpful when you're praying for people because it changes your heart and it, and it invites the spirit to do great things. So as it relates to that, one of our, Jan and our favorite chapters is Philippians chapter four. And I thought it was interesting that in that chapter, it says, let your reasonableness be known to all. So if, if I'm going to hope that people see me, then they need to see reasonableness. So let your reasonableness be known to all. And then what does it say? For the Lord is near. Some versions say, for the Lord is at hand. So if I'm at work, if people can see reasonableness in me, see, see you know, good things in me, the Lord is near. Then it says what? Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But it all starts with that reasonableness and the fact that I just have to remember the Lord is at hand, the Lord is near. So all that to be said, how do you treat people you work with and you work for? And do they see Jesus? I know it's almost overstated, but do they see Jesus in you? And so what are some things we could do? Start your day with prayer. This is very basic. Ask God to help you with work. I mean, literally, there are times that I'm just going, Lord, I need some help. I need your understanding. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom for me here at work and what I'm doing. He cares about what I do. Therefore, he's going to help me in what I do. Be attentive to what God is doing in your workplace and with your colleagues and customers. Ask God for opportunities to share your faith. And, and, you know, even for your coworkers, pray for their success. We live in a very competitive world. Pray for other success and they'll pick up that from you. So that's a, another thing. So third, okay, here's where we kind of get into some things. So I'm going to meddle with you a little bit because I'm meddling with me. The third thing I would want us to know, or to, the concept, is in the work setting, the performance of your work will either enhance or detract from the relationships you develop. You follow me? So how well you do your job will either enhance or detract from the relationships you develop. So the performance of your work is not only your, you know, the workmanship, how good a job you do, but the attitude and integrity. And so we, honestly, we as Christians ought to be examples of, of, of a good worker, of a hard worker, of somebody that wants to excel at what they do. And so if we're to be, you know, salt and light in the workplace, we need to take doing our work well, very seriously. I like this out of, again, Philippians. Do all things without grumbling or questions that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights. Man, if you do your, just do your job well, that is helping you shine as lights in a dark world. Commit, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So I don't know how else to say it. Be good at what you do. If you get a job, be good at it. Our daughter Ellie just got a job 
at Shipley's Donuts. You know, and so from what we can tell, she's tried to do a good job at it. You know, at least she's got a good attitude. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and I, this is what I had in my notes. If you want a seat at the table, be good at what you do. And, um, and keep improving. I, like I was saying earlier, I was, you know, and I'm just being, you know, authentic. I mean, you know, there are always those at the top of the class. Well, there's got to be those that support those. At the, <laughs> you know. So at law school, you know, there were those in the top 10%. There were those like me who supported, who made that possible for them. But I will say this little anecdote. When I came and worked here in Temple, the gentleman that I picked up every morning at five o'clock is blind. And I would read to him for those three hours until eight o'clock. And I realized this man is amazing. I still am blessed to work with him. He's now my law partner instead of my boss. But you know, you pick up a guy every morning at five who's blind and is finding a way and has, has not just found a way, but within the community and within the profession is, is outstanding at what he does. Outstanding nationally, recognized nationally. All of a sudden, the victim mentality, the oh, woe is me, all those excuses go away. And so I was like, man, I want to make him proud. I am going to, I'm going to start learning. I'm going to, you know, I may not have been the best student, but by golly, I'm going to start doing what it takes to excel at what I did. And, and so, you know, Jana was working at McLean at the time. Anyway, long story short, we, you know, on the weekends, we for two years, we got our MBAs and we did things. And we, you know, I did things that honestly made me an expert at what I do. I don't say that to lift you. I'm just telling you. It's because I thought I want to improve and I want to excel and I want to be good at what I do. And when you're good at what you do, people, it gives you, people will come to you for that, whatever that is. And I'm not saying that's about law or about ministry or, uh, or about vocational, whatever that is, start, seek to excel at it. That's the point I'm trying to make because people will see that and they will respect that. And that will, that will give them an, that will give you rather an opportunity to, to, to bring and show Jesus to them. Why that comes to mind. So, some dear friends of ours, they came to me. One of the things I do a lot of is wills and what's, you know, planning for what happens when people die. And these dear friends of ours came to me, and on Friday, he's, he's got cancer. And so we're going over what needs to be done for their planning. And, and it's at that that we finished up. And I said, you know, can I just pray with you? And I, and I, I don't expect to cry, but I'm a crier. And, man, he and his wife, and I'm just, we're just praying, and I'm just blessing, and we're just crying. And it was a special moment, and it ministered to them. It did, and it ministered to me. But if I, if I was mediocre at what I do, they wouldn't be in my office. You follow me on that? So, again, this is not about, I'm just saying, we as Christians, we ought to want to excel at what we do, no matter what that is. And that's, and, and along those lines is, as, as people in our vocations, are we reliable? Are we on time? Are we positive? Are, we a, are you a part of the solution for those you work with? I will tell you as having been there in, in different roles, the people you work for, I assure you, they are feeling pressures that you are unaware of. 
how to make payroll. Are they going to be able to keep the doors open or what, whatever's happening at home? What, what can you do to help? Be a part of, of their solution. They're carrying burdens. Just even things like, how can I help? Is there anything I can help you with? How can I improve? All of that. Be honest. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was telling Adrian, I, we just recently read the book by David Goggins, the clean version, by the way, if you're familiar with David Goggins. <laughs> anyway, He has what he calls the accountability mirror. And every morning you look in the accountability mirror and you accept responsibility for your situation or for decisions you've made. And you know what? We as, we as Christians ought to be the type of people, ought to be the type of people within the workplace, within our vocations, who say, I'm sorry, I messed up, or I, I take responsibility for that because, because that's what integrity does. So, you know, that's another thing to, to consider. The other thing is just be teachable in the workplace. Be kind, be a friend. It's kind of like it said, more is caught than taught. And I think it's allude or... Um, I think St. Francis of Assisi is credited with saying, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. The point I'm trying to make is that we are all ministers of the gospel in our workplaces, out of the workplaces. We shouldn't bifurcate our lives and to go, well, I'm all about serving God when I'm at church or serving God at church. That's important, very important. But, you know, that's not where the ministry to the Spirit and to God stops. It, it continues on through whatever you're doing. I like this from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we know this part. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Behold, all things are made new. Then it goes on to say, for we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I like that. God is making his appeal through us. So wherever you are, whatever venue you're in, God is making his appeal to people through you. I just think that is wonderful. So whatever that is, whatever your vocation is, whatever your whatever you do, you are you need to see yourselves as in full-time Christian service, no less than someone who like Sydney or others who do this full-time here, which is to not be diminished at all. It's wonderful and so necessary. But Jesus is there for us in that. So this is where I would want to say too. So how then within the workplace do, do we be um, more perhaps even assertive in our, in our growth or in our walk with Christ? And this is where I thought, you know, a lot of times we approach life like a microwave. And we want it. It's like, you know, when you do microwave popcorn and just pop, 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 pop. It's almost like, man, that's the way we want to we want to save people. We just want to turn on the microwave and just start saving people at our work. And I think a lot of, for, to use the analogy, more about our witness in work is like a crock pot. You know, it, it just takes time. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's relationship. It's reliability. Is are you a safe place for someone at work? And that's where the it, you know crock pot. You can throw. Frozen chicken, I've been told. <laughs> Frozen chicken in a crock pot. And what does it do over time? It thaws it. It melts it. You know, and I think if, if we looked at the impact we want to have on people is more of a, not, not, let's not be in, it in the short game. Let's be in it for the long haul. We're trying to build relationship with people because, not because we're trying to check a box, but because honestly, we really should care about these people because they're important to God. And whether they 
during the time that we know and profess faith or not, are not, we should care about them because they're important. And so you've just got to give that time. That's the reason there's a value to old friendship because old friends take a long time. It's wonderful to have new friends, but it takes time. And so I think that's part of it is we're to be witnesses in our workplace, having the mindset of, of I want to walk with people through difficult times, through good times, so that they know that, that they see that love and that care in us as we, as we represent Christ. How are we doing on time? Probably. The other thing I would say, and again, I'm just I'm going to toss this out there, as far as just being um, good at what we do, is, is develop good habits. You know, that's may not sound real spiritual, spiritual, but it's it's just so important. Do, develop good habits because um, at some point they stop being a decision; they just become something you do. Um, you know, Jana is there, and if you see her on her phone, it's very likely that that she's on a Bible memory app. She knows over two hundred verses by memory and reviews many of those every day. And so it's something that it's just was a decision. It's still a decision, but it's a joy for her. And so to do life with somebody who loves the Word of God and has made that a habit is a wonderful thing. And so habits just play such a key role in unlocking change in our lives. And so, you know, there's a reason in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I buffet my body and make it my slave, left lest after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Taking ourselves and our di- the discipline of ourselves is so important, and it, and it will be reflected in your vocation as well. Just something bears repeating, bears mentioning. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but painful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Developing daily habits of prayer, Bible study, Bible memorization, meditation, and even exercise can have a profound impact on not only your day, but the course of your life. So again, we want to be the type of people that God is doing something in that, that we can minister to people and that they see things in us that, that they might even want to emulate. I put in here a warning. <laughs> I know we all want to be you know, we, t- we want to represent Christ well in our workplace, but if you're not going to be a good worker, <laughs> don't bring Jesus up. You know, I'm being honest. You know, I, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is don't use the name of the Lord in vain. You know what in vain means? It just means you're just using it for no effect. And, and I think that if we really want to be serious about representing Jesus in our vocations, in our work, we need to be serious about that. And so, you know what? If you're not going to strive to do it well, strive to be honest, strive to be people that, that accept responsibility. People, we all make mistakes, but, to, but at least to be reliable, <laughs> being a little facetious, don't bring Jesus into the conversation because people are going to go, well, if that's what is representative of the, of the transformative power of Jesus, then, you know, I don't want anything of it. We're not even, you know. So I just say that it should be very important on how we handle the way we behave at work and how we treat work. 
So the fourth thing I wanted to mention is that it is in the performance of our work that permission is created. So and as you go through your work, as you go through your vocation, how you do that, the relationships that you develop, you're, you're giving, people will give you permission to share your faith. But, but it, it's at the end of that sentence. It's at the end of that. You have to develop the relationship. Yeah, it could be shorter. I mean, it could depending on the circumstances. But what I'm getting at is that it's in the it's in the performance of how you are in the relationship that that permission they grant you permission to pray with them or they grant you permission to 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 be a witness to them. Okay. With all that said, I want to leave you with two challenges. Okay. The first challenge is is be brave. Okay. I mean, here I am, a lawyer. You know. And, and everybody's always wondering, well, what can I say or not say at work? Listen, follow the employee handbook and you'll be fine. <laughs> but nevertheless, we as believers, we need to be brave. And why? Why do we need to be brave? Because the world is hurting. People are lost. People are suffering. People, there is injustice out there. And if we don't stand up, if we're not brave, who will be? I love Joshua 1.9. The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. You know, people, we need to be brave. I mean, we, we should be brave. And, and so, I mean, that is just such something, you know, we have a role to play. Um, and, and I want to make sure we don't leave with that because honestly, if you think about this, even here locally, if we don't help, who will? If we don't stand up to injustice, who will? If we not do, do not defend the helpless, who will? Isaiah 6 eight said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, then I said, here am I, send me. You know, is that us? Are we going to do that? Are you going to do that? If we don't, if you don't, who will? Especially in your workplace, if 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 you don't stand up, if you're not brave, who will? God has you there for a reason. One thing I'll share with you, if we're going to be brave, we have to exercise our bravery muscles, okay? So quick anecdote, when I was, seriously, I was still about your age. I was very, very shy. And what I recognized is um, I would pray to not be shy, as if somehow during the course of the night, God would cure me of shyness. Didn't, and, and, and what I came to realize is that's not the way often God works. And so I had to muster up the courage and learn things like sticking up my hand and introducing myself or speaking up when I didn't want to speak up. And, and as I did that, and as I exercised those confidence muscles, some of the shyness went away. And I think it's that way with bravery. You know, instead of retreating, engage. Instead of withdrawing, pursue. Instead of shying away, speak up. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. And so as we're in the workplace, because that's where most of us will spend 65% of our day is in our vocational work. Let's be people who are brave in that. And then the other challenge I would leave you with 
is be a light. I, I tell you, someone you know needs encouragement. Someone you know needs a friend. They may be sitting right next to you. You know, who do you know that is just starving for kindness? You know, I, I was, I was, Jan and I have talked a lot. You know, if we had to go back however many years, it's been a little more than I want to admit, you know, it's not so much the activities that we would do again. I think we would find those people that needed attention, those people that needed friendship. You know, and, and in fact, I'll tell you a quick story. When we, we were involved in leadership, literally about your age, and this, I'm going to age myself here, but the A&M bonfire accident. You read about that before? And people were killed at this. And we were involved in a, in a young married class. And one of the dear people in the class, her sister was killed in that. And because of the leadership role we played, they had gone and, and we needed to, you know, they were coming back into town and we thought, well, what do we do? I don't know what to say. And, and the dear people that, that were helping lead us as well, they said, well, you just show up. And there's sometimes just the ministry of showing up is so profound. And, and I will never, it's so clear, crystal clear in my mind, just being in their front yard when they got home and us just weeping not having to say anything, just weeping over the loss of, of this young person in a terrible tragedy. Somebody, I assure you, needs encouragement. Don't worry about what to say. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another every day, as long as it is still called today, so that no one will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Be a light. Be a source of encouragement. God will use that to impact your workplace. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may benefit those who hear, those who listen. And so, you know, as we're going about our days, going about our work, whatever that vocation may be, you know, do it unto the Lord. Be brave in doing it. And be an encouragement to those you're around. Be good, as good and as you can at what you do. And the Holy Spirit will take care of the results, right? You know, the work is one of the most significant ways a human can, human can participate in the mission of God. And your work is so often one of the primary venues that God uses uh, you to touch people's lives. Um, I'll probably just close with that. Jan and I are around. If you want to have any questions or if you have any questions right now, I'll pause and answer those. Otherwise, let me just close this in prayer. Dear Lord, I just speak one, a blessing over the people here in this room. Lord, they wouldn't be here if they didn't care and if they didn't want to see your kingdom come in their lives and in the people that they touch. Lord, I thank you for what we do with our days, for the time that we spend, whatever that looks like, Lord, wherever um, that is, Lord, that you are touching people's lives through us. I pray, Lord, that we would, that we would be a light, 
even with jars of clay, that we would be a light to those who need a touch from you. That, Lord, we would not walk in fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Lord, I pray that we would be missional in what we do. Pray we would not grow weary in doing good. And Lord, that we would just um, know that you are with us always. You're, you are literally near at, our, at hand. And so, Lord, we just give you this moment. We give you our lives. We give you our work that, Lord, it may, that your kingdom may come in it. And in your name we pray. Amen.